Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome morning, you to our doing? podcast. We hope okay, that good. you get to know God more, that you Today feel encouraged, in and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Every single day of your life, and you would be right 100% of the time. You say, oh, it's too good to be true. But what if there were just two questions that you could answer every single day and, and at any moment, and if you answered these two questions properly, you'd be right every single time. Well, today, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at this idea of how you and I, if we answer these two questions, we will really live a life that is in the right, but of joy and legacy. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes we make Christianity a little bit too difficult, right? Like we really kind of overcomplicate things, and that's a tendency that we have as people. I don't know about you, but like sometimes when things are simple and going well, we just want to complicate them and create more process and more things to do, and it just muddies the water. Well, I honestly think that Christianity is not really that difficult. I mean, like if we look in the Old Testament, like there were 10 commandments and then humanity added 630 some odd laws to that. I mean, God thought it was good. Like here's 10. And if you live by these 10 things, you'll be okay. And we were like, you know what? That seems a little too simple, but we couldn't actually do the 10 things. And so we, so like, let's add 631 things, right? And, and so that we can, can make this more complicated and nearly impossible to follow. But I really believe that if you do a couple things really well, simple things really well, you'll find success. In fact, we see this all over the place. I grew up playing baseball. If you're from Sarasota, you know this is like a huge baseball town. And people, like, every kid's going to be a major league baseball player. But, uh, in fact, in, when I played Little League, our pitching coach in Little League was actually the pitching coach for the Houston Astros. And so I was getting coached by a major league baseball pitching coach in Little League. Didn't help me, but uh, it was there. But there's one thing, like, when you're starting in baseball – and if you watch a baseball game, you'll see this. They teach you one basic move that every single thing that you do as a baseball player falls under, right? And so if anyone's like a baseball fan or you watch a game on TV, if you watch baseball players that are in the field, they really look like they're doing nothing, right? They're kind of like in their back pocket, eating sunflower seeds, walking around the outfield or the field, and they're kind of just not paying much attention but then as the pitcher gets ready in his windup, all of a sudden you'll notice that every single player in the field will step forward and fall onto their toes. And in baseball and in many other sports, like we call it an athletic position, that if you're on the balls of your feet forward, you can move any direction and really begin to, to react to the world. But that is the foundational process by which you make every other decision. And so if you can master that, that simple step, 90% of what you need to know is going to happen. And I think in Christianity, we like to, to process the, well, how do you catch a ball that you need to slide for? And how do you catch a ball that you need to dive for? How do you catch a ball behind your back? When really, what you just need to learn to do is to get on your toes and be ready. And, I, and today's message is really in that vein. If we do the simple things well the hard things will come easier. 
And so today we're going to be in Romans chapter 13. But if you remember our phrase from the book of uh, Romans is this, that what Jesus did changes who we are and everything that we do. Right? Like his influence on our life changes not only like how we stand in eternity and who we are as people, but who we are as people. When that changes, it changes what we do. And so today, what Paul's going to give us in the book of Romans is this idea of, hey, if you can answer these two questions right, you'll get everything else. I want to make Christianity simple because it is simple, but how many of us know it's hard? Right? Like anyone in here ever dieted? It's simple, right? Like if you don't want to gain weight and, or you want to lose weight, it's simple, right? You just eat well and exercise. Like you don't need these special magic pills. You don't need this like, like drink water, eat well and exercise and you'll really be okay. Like honestly, you will do very well. But how many of us know that that's hard? Because like when you go to the grocery store to get your groceries, the deli and the, the, the bakery and like the frozen food aisle, right, is all calling your name. I mean, you, you know, like it's not like it's simple, but it's hard. And so <laughs> there it is. Amen, brother. And so when we talk about this today and we you look at this, I want to I relieve us of one thing. Just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. So it's going to take some effort and some intentionality on our part. And so as we open to Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 8, I want to catch us up real quick. So we just talked about last week when, when rulers are hard to follow. And we talked about this idea, but Paul ends that passage with this idea of like, oh, no one anything. Like, you know, whoever needs honor, give honor, respect to respect, love, love, right? And he says this in this moment. And then Paul moves into this passage in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, and it starts with this. Oh, no one anything. Everyone likes that. Everyone's like, ooh, no, oh, no one anything. Don't be in debt. Don't do any of that stuff. Great. Great principle to live by, except to love each other. Ah, there's a comma. We thought there was a period there. No, no one, nothing. Like, don't owe anybody a thing, period. No, God put a comma in there, and it says, except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Here's the reality for us as Christians. When you become a Christian, we owe people. We owe people in this world something. And what Paul says that you and I owe people as Christians is loving God, and loving people. That's just so simple. Paul says, look, you and I need to understand that like as the people of God who have been brought into this great standing and understanding of who God is and what he's done in our lives and how he loves people, we owe people love. That's it. He says, you don't owe getting back at people. You don't owe people money. Like make sure that you live above reproach, but there is one thing that you owe the world and that's to love them. And it doesn't say any qualifiers there. It doesn't say to love people who are like you. It doesn't say to love people who believe like you. It doesn't say anything but to love the world. And Paul says what? The one who loves fulfills the law. What is he talking about? The law there. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. Paul is getting into this idea that, hey, if you and I are going to live this Christian life, we need to love people. And if you're going to love people, There's one thing that you need to do. If you're going to love people in this world, you need to kiss. You're going to need to kiss. 
And here's the deal. You're like, Pastor Blake, what the heck's going on? I'm not talking about going and kissing everybody, but if you're going to love people in the world, you're going to need to kiss. Does anyone know what this stands for? Kiss. Keep it what? Keep it simple. We're Christians. We're going to say it like this. Keep it stupid simple. All right? Just keep it simple. Because Paul's going to show us here in the Bible, he's going to say, hey, look, I want to show you something that we're called to owe the world love. And if we love people and love God, we, we fulfill the law. And he says, so let's just keep it simple. If we're going to love the world, let's kiss. So here's what he says. Romans 8, 9, and 10, or sorry, 13, 9, and 10, it says this. For the commandments, that being the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And, and oh, and you're like, only those ones are fulfilled? No. He says, and any other commandment are summed up in these words. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. This echoes, you're like, is that really in the Bible? Yeah, Jesus even talks about it in Matthew chapter 22, which is in the Gospels. And the Gospels are these stories about the life of Jesus. So here's a direct, direct quote from Jesus as the Pharisees were basically questioning Jesus, trying to get him to slip up. And they say, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? I mean, we got 631 laws. You got 10 commandments. Like, what, what do you, what's, what's the greatest? She's like, oh, that's simple, man. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Here we go. Matthew 22, 37 to 40, it says this. And he said that being Jesus to him, the Pharisee, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That means every single part of who you are as a person is to love God 100%. This is the great and first commandment. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a freebie. I'm going to give you the second one. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. Jesus says, you want to know what Christianity is really about. It's about two really simple things. Loving God and loving people. And you and I look at that and we go, man, like, but that, that's hard. Like, don't you know the kind of people that are out there? Yeah. We do. There's no qualifiers here. In fact, here's the deal. Even when we were unlovable, God loved us and continues to love us. And so love does not have a qualification of worthiness. Love is unqualified. We give it to people freely and abundantly. There's no qualification on love. And so what happens here is you and I are going to have to look at this and go, hey, what, what, what do we do? What does this actually look like? So what does loving God and loving people actually look like? And I'm just going to tell you, if you answer this question, how do I love God today? And how do I love people today? You'll be 100% right all the time. If you figure out how to answer that question properly today, you will be right. You won't be wrong. How do I love God and how do I love people today? And let me just say this. It has to be in that order. Because what goes a lot on, on a lot in our culture right now is we love people and then we try to love God. And so when we love people over loving God, the things that God says for people not to do, to not be in, to do all of these things, we disregard those things because our love is for people first. And so we want to give them whatever they want. God says, no, 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 no. It's how the vertical relationship with God and our love for God influences us and then 
gets out into the horizontal. When, when this relationship's proper, when this relationship's where it needs to be, the love of God and our love for him comes through us and by the Holy Spirit and the work of the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God can go and now go out to the world. So it has to be in that order because when we get that mixed up, when we love people over God, we build idols. And so what Paul says is like, look, it's very simple. Kiss. Keep it stupid simple. All you need to do is love God and love people. If you get that right, every other commandment, every other law falls under these two things. If you do these well and you figure out how to love God today and love people today, you'll be right 100% of the time. So what does loving God look like? We use this word like we just had it now. Loving God looks a lot like worship. That's what loving God is. It's worshiping him with adoration and joy and love and peace. So what is worship? Worship is quality time and passionate obedience. Look, I, I, here's the deal. I don't think that we, we are well in loving God when we're not obedient to what God says. Parents, when your children disobey and are disobedient to you, do you feel the love? You're like, oh, these kids love me so much that they love me so much that they'll disobey. Even with what I'm telling them is good. And so here's the deal, like what you love, you will obey, right? Some of us love food. We get hungry. We love ourselves. So we obey. We eat, right? And so what happens here is you and I need to understand that I don't think that loving God it can be absent of obedience. And so the question is like, where do you want to be in life? And how do I measure like if I'm kind of heading in the right direction? Because everyone says, well, don't judge, right? Well, don't judge based upon outward appearances. There's a lot of people who look like they love God and don't. And there's people who don't look like they love God and do. But the reality is, is fruit is fruit. And I don't know about you, but like I don't have to look at, uh, at a lot of things and, and see that. Like it's not a judgment. It is what it is. And so let me just ask you, what's the fruit of our life? Like is there an obedience and a love and a pursuit of holiness towards God? Like, and even I have people say, like, well, I don't know if I get, I know Christianity. I know so much about Christianity. I know all these things that people say to me, and I just don't get a lot out of these messages anymore. And I'm like, really? Because is there obedience in your life? I don't think you're getting enough. I think you know God a lot here, but I don't know if we know him here. And this is where we move from. This is how we get into life and we love God. But how do we love people? The best example for you and I to love people in this world is Jesus. So let's just like look back at the life of Jesus and say like, okay, so how did when Jesus was here, how did Jesus love people? Well, first thing he did is he showed people the truth in love, even when it was hard. I want you to notice something. Notice I didn't say he told people the truth. Christians in the church is really good at telling people the truth, but not showing them the truth. What Jesus did is Jesus embodied the truth of God and showed the world what that looks like. Jesus showed people the truth in love, even when it was hard. Loving people means you're willing to be uncomfortable. It means you're willing to be uncomfortable. Jesus left heaven to come to earth to live like we live and to die the death we should have died, and he rose again. Loving people looks a lot like being uncomfortable. And I heard this this week on a little like Instagram post, and I thought this was so good. 
this guy was talking and he said, a lot of us in the Christian world view loving God as a comfortable place to be and loving the world as an uncomfortable place to be. And he says the opposite is true. And I agree. Generally, loving God is an uncomfortable place to be. Because God is going to call us to do things, root things out of our life, to go do things that aren't part of our nature. So let me just say, if every part of your life, and there's no uncomfortability in your Christianity, I don't know if we're pursuing God. Because changing and moving and denying your flesh and doing all of these things, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But here's what I do believe. Loving the world is really comfortable. And so loving people in this world means it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to be being around people that you normally wouldn't be around. Maybe in situations you wouldn't normally put yourself in. It's loving people through hard times, through dark times, and through incredible times. Loving people means that we're willing to be uncomfortable. Look at the cross. I don't think Jesus got on the cross and was like, this is refreshing. He got up there and he was like, this is so comfortable. Man, you guys like built this just for me. It's like custom built. I don't even feel the weight on my shoulders. I'm breathing fine. But Jesus was willing to get uncomfortable and pursue what God had called him to do in order to show us the love he has for us. And so we've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. What about this? Going to great lengths for people even when it costs them. Loving people, loving the world well means that you and I are willing to go to great lengths for people. What does that mean, going to great lengths? It can mean like you simply are willing to listen to someone talk for an hour. Like, just let them talk for an hour. And you're like, this is crazy. I don't even know what you're saying. This is unbelievable. But going to great lengths means, you know what? I'm just going to let them talk. Husbands, listen. Sometimes your wife, the only thing that she needs is to talk. Doesn't need you to fix it. Doesn't need you to figure it out. Doesn't need you to be a hero. Doesn't need you to tell her what's logical. Just needs to know that your ears are open. It's called active listening. What's active listening look like? You look them in the eyes. You repeat what they say. You mirror what they do. That's active listening. Right? So if she's crying and you're on your phone, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. When do you want to get dinner? Not, not like a great moment, right? There'd be a time to like really dig in. Some of you guys are like, I can't look you in the eye right now. Like this is making me uncomfortable. What does loving people look like? Being uncomfortable. And so what you and I need to do is go to great lengths to love people, even when it costs us. How about this? Being kind, even when others aren't. I know that that's so simple, but it's how hard is it to be kind when other people aren't? I mean, it's nearly impossible, right? And so that's what we said. You're in a, in a cash-based system with love then. I'll love you if you love me. But what do we say? Love does not need something to be given. It, it's not like what you earn is what I get. That's not how love works. Love is a free gift. It's not something that's earned. Like how many of us, like with your kids, you're like, you know what? If you do your chores, I'll love you more. If you, if you do this and listen this time, I promise, dad will love you more now if you behave. But what else is true? If they don't behave, now all of a sudden your, your love lessens? Why would we think that that's okay to reciprocate to the world? 
hey, if you believe what I believe, if you behave, if you don't sin, if you don't do these things, then I'll love you. And when you do do those things that I don't like, that are nasty and awful, I don't really love you that much. Man, could I say this? How many of us, that's the way we approach God? You approach God through a rule-based relationship, not a grace-based relationship. Rule-based relationship always hammers you for when things go wrong and doesn't always reward you well when things go right. Maybe that's the kind of household that you lived in. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to be doing a parenting uh, series, and we're going to talk about how a a rule-based household and a grace-based household are very different things. Do you know that your relationship with God is not rule-based? It's grace-based. Jesus loves you. He loves you even when you fall short. He loves you even when you don't keep the rules. He loves you when you do. But nothing about God's love for you changes based upon your performance. What about this? Jesus was patient when he was misunderstood. For so many of us, this is something that we have a real problem with when it comes to loving people in this world. Because as Christians, we feel like, well, with political things or, or, or social things or whatever, and we feel like, like, hey, you guys really don't understand how I feel about this, so I'm kind of like going to keep you at arm lengths away. You don't really understand me, and because my love is really not for you, it's about me and what I get in return when I'm misunderstood, I'm not going to love you. But Jesus, when he was misunderstood, Love people all the more. How many times did Jesus, like they didn't see that he was Messiah, that they didn't believe he could do a miracle. When they're on the boat and Jesus is sleeping and they're in a storm and they're freaked out and they wake Jesus up and they're like, we're going to die. Jesus is like, you guys saw me feed 5,000 people. You guys have seen me walk on water. You guys have seen me speak and dead people come to life. So Jesus gets up and does what? Rebukes the wind and the waves. Like He was so misunderstood, yet he was so kind to continually show people who he was. How about this? Sympathizing with people's pain, even when you haven't experienced it. You can't empathize with a lot of things that you haven't experienced, but you can sympathize. Jesus was sympathetic towards our condition. So much so that his sympathy drove him to empathy and his empathy drove him to come to earth where he died for you and I. How about joyful when others succeed? Jesus' identity was so built into who he was in the eyes of the Father that when other people succeeded, Jesus wasn't upset. How many of us, like, our love for people can kind of wane or flow depending on their Instagram posts and what they posted about? I'm on vacation. Look at them. I'm on this vacation. I deserve a vacation. I'm going to unfollow that. Mute, right? They got a new car. How do they afford that car? (laughs) Instead of being like, hey, you got a new car. That's incredible. How'd you get a Mercedes? That's incredible. Man, I'm so, do you love it? Is it awesome? Is it so good? You're like, whatever. Sick of it. See, because what the reality is, is you're living in a comparison world then. And comparison will rob you of love. And so what Jesus did is when other people succeeded, when other people do well, when they do the right thing, Jesus celebrates. Jesus doesn't have an inferiority complex because it means how somehow someone else's success means he's less. Why? Because his identity was in the Father, what he was called to do. And the grace for what Jesus was called to do, no one else had. And the grace for other things that people do, you don't have. So you succeed, like get happy about other people's success. Choosing to love people even when they don't deserve it. Like I've said, love does not have an end goal or a worthiness in it. 
It's a choice that you and I make. How about forgiving even if people don't ask for it? You're like, well, no, that's not true. You've got to ask for forgiveness to be saved. Well, Jesus on the cross looks at a bunch of people who are gambling for his clothes, who have done all these things to him, and what does he say to God? Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. No one in that moment asked for forgiveness, and yet Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is kind and gracious, even when people didn't ask for it. Why is forgiveness, whether people ask for it or not, so important for us to love people? Because when you live in unforgiveness, your love gets taken out of you. All of these things go away. And you're hinging your happiness, your joy, and your love on another person's basically process. And so what happens is, is now you're in bondage to the, the, basically the request of someone to ask you for forgiveness. And so your joy and your happiness is dependent upon the person who hurt you in the first place. Doesn't make sense. Forgiveness, we talk about it all the time in church, is more about you being able to let go and let God deal with it than you having to hold on to it to be made right. And you're free. You're free. God is going to deal with that. You don't have to deal with that. But forgiving people, even if they don't ask for it. And then finally, I think one of the most loving things that Jesus did for all of us is that he was exactly who he told people he would be. He was exactly who he told people he would be. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And loving people means us being honest, not having to tell people who we're not, just being who we are and being exactly who we say we are. That's what loving people looks a lot alike. So if we're, we're going to choose this, we're going to choose to do the simple things daily and the hard things will come easier. So the simple thing, the simple choice every day is to answer yes to these questions. Am I going to love God today? Yes. Am I going to love people today? Yes. The hard part is how that's going to play out during the day, but you've already chosen to do it. Right? Like I, I don't, like if I go on a diet, I don't go, okay, I'm going to go on a diet. I need to plan every single meal for the next six months. What I've decided is to do the simple thing. I'm going to go on a diet. But that decision, that yes, is going to be there to help me in every other decision that I need to make. Because I've said yes to this, I say no to that. And so for you and I, let's do the simple thing right away. The simple thing for you and I to do is to say, yes, I'm going to love God. And yes, I'm going to love people. Lord, help me to figure out how to do that today. But if you set your mind to those things and you move that way and you start to think that way, then it can come. And here's what also that does. When you choose to say, I'm going to love you today and I'm going to love others today, you already go to the vertical and the horizontal. You already go that way. You start here and say, God, I'm going to love you today. Lord, help me to love you today. God, help guide and direct me today and how I can love you through this moment. And Lord, as I love you, will you help me to love others? I'm choosing to love other people today. And already the vertical is informing the horizontal. But why is this so important? Well, Paul has this idea within his heart, within his mind, in this passage, that time is running out. Here's the deal. Verse 11. Besides this, you know, the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. He said, some of us have been sleeping for far too long. We've been sleeping in this world. We've been sleeping in our lives. We've been sleeping in this moment. And we are not awake to what God is doing he says this, for salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness or sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or in jealousy. 
Here's what Paul says. If you can't live out the things that you want to do in this life in the light of others, you shouldn't be doing it. Doesn't mean it has to be nighttime. There's not something inherently evil about nighttime. What Paul is saying is the things that you do in the dark are the things that you're ashamed of. They're the things that you shouldn't be doing. And he says, look, we're getting near to a time. Time is running out. You and I need to live this way. It's time for us to move forward. It's time for us to, to change the way in which we're living. It's time to get serious about what's going on. And so when we answer these two questions every single day, when we answer these questions and we keep it simple, you can be right every time. So in whatever situation, whenever you walk up to a moment, you can ask literally these two questions. What does loving God look like in this situation? What does loving that person, these people look like in this situation? And I'm telling you, the Lord will lead you and move you forward and process you through all of this. And so what happens here is you and I have to realize that time is running out. And that we need to live in a way that, that is of necessity and urgency. Wake up from your sleep. And I want to say this. Look at what it says in verse 11. It says, besides this, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Here's what Paul's saying. This moment, right now, in this very time, you and I, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the closest you'll ever be to hell. Right now. This moment, this very second, is the closest that you will ever be to hell is right now. Because every moment of every time as we move forward in this life, all you and I are moving towards is heaven. All our, you and I are moving towards is our, our justification, our glorification. And so Paul says this, like, when you realize that hell is always moving further behind you because you're a Christian, that can help you love other people really well. And here's what Paul says as, we, as we, we end this time together. It says this, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Here's what Paul's saying. You, who you are and who you are called to be is one decision away. Who you are and who you are called to be is one decision away every single day. Because we think about calling as these like big decisions that in these big moments that happen in our life. But who are you called to be today? And I can tell you who you're called to be today. You're called to be a person who loves God and loves people. And if we do those things really well every single day, you'll have no problem finding your calling or fulfilling your calling. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So just choose today that this is who I'm called to be. I'm called to be a person who loves God and loves people. And if that's tiring and boring, wrong religion. That's, this is it. It's simple but hard. And so you today are one decision away from being who you are and who you're called to be. So you have to choose to keep it simple and to say, today I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people. Uh, Hunter, there's a, a picture of me. Can you put it up? That's me. I found out I was three years old. I just found this. We were cleaning out some stuff, and that's me. Okay. So I'm a cowboy who busts ghosts, who loves Sesame Street, and I'm ready to crane kick you in the face because I have Karate Kid headband on. Every single day, who I was and who I was called to be was one decision away from what I was going to wear.
One decision away. I chose that day who I was going to be. I was going to be awesome that day. <laughs> I chose. And you're like, choose a side. Choose something. I don't have to do that. I can be a ninja-fighting, ghost-busting cowboy any day that I want to be. But here's the deal. As I was looking at this, I realized, like, I was one decision away from who I was when I woke up in the morning to who I wanted to be, to who I was called to be. And as I was looking at that, that headband really stuck out to me. If you guys know, like, the Karate Kid, I love the Karate Kid, okay? I love the first one. I love the remake with Jackie Chan, right? Like, it's awesome. It's good. Some parts of it they do better. And so as I was thinking about this message, I said, man, there's something in that film that puts this all together in a nice little bow. So will you join me as we take a minute to watch the, the new remake, okay? Don't get crazy, all right? Karate Kid, online, hey, so glad you're with us. This is going to be weird for you because you weren't going to see anything. Because if we show it to you, we're going to get sued. So just listen along, all right? But uh, Hunter, go ahead and play the clip. the simple things done really well consistently makes the hard things easier so what did he say to do take off the jacket right simple cool but what did he say to do yeah a little whistle <laughs> hang up the jacket vertical then what are we supposed to do verse 14 when we love God in the vertical we put on Christ. And when we put on Christ, what are we able to do? Serve others. See, it's the simple things done really well and really consistency that made the hard things easy. And so, yes, you're going to be in situations where loving God and loving people are going to be nearly impossible. But because you've chosen every single day of your life to keep it really simple, then loving God, putting on Christ, and serving your fellow man and loving them will become second nature to you. In the hardest trials in life, in the hardest moments in life, where the call of God, like it feels so hard to hold on to it, you've practiced every single day of your life because you chose to love people and when we love people, we kiss. Keep it stupid, simple. And so I don't know how you love God and love your spouse right now. I don't know specifically how you love God and love your kids right now. I don't know specifically how you love God and love that crazy neighbor. I don't know. But what I do know is there is something that God teaches us in this process that is preparing you for the hardest days of your life. And to walk through and not just to tell people the gospel, but to be the physical living embodiment of what it means to have been changed and transformed by the hope of God. And so you want to succeed in this life? You want to be right 100% of the time? Love God 
and love people. And you'll never go wrong. And so today, we have like a really um, practical way to do this. See, loving God and loving people, remember it's willing to be uncomfortable. And it's willing to go beyond. It's willing to be forgiving and loving and sympathetic and empathetic and all of these things. And so today's like a hard day, but it's because of our love for God and our love for people that this is possible. So this, not this weekend, but next weekend, will be Pastor John's last weekend with us as our worship pastor. Pastor John has been called and his family has been called to move to Connecticut. And they're going there to reach family and to do all of these things. And because we love God and because we love people, we're saying yes. And we're excited for them. And they're succeeding there in them doing well. But I'll tell you that loving God and loving people has prepared us as a church for a moment just like this. Because here's the deal. This is why this is so hard. It's because there's nothing wrong. He does an incredible job. There's no moral failure. There's no rift between us. There's, there's nothing. All it is is a friend, more than a colleague, more than a staff member, a friend has been called by God to move his family to a far off place. And because we love God and we love him, then we're going to celebrate. Because I'm just going to tell you, when transitions like this happen in churches, they generally don't go well. People write people off because I feel abandoned or because you feel abandoned, our tendency will be not to love him anymore because it's uncomfortable and it's hard. <clears throat> All of these things, like we will tend to separate ourselves from them and we will not move in a gospel-centered way. But today's message is for a time such as this, that today, what is loving God and loving John and Rachel and Trin and Alana look like today? And it looks a lot like celebrating. It looks a lot like joy. It looks a lot like happiness. It looks a lot like mourning, but not mourning as those who are without hope. And so here's what I'm going to ask, and I'm going to let Pastor John say whatever he wants to say. But here's what I'm going to ask. If you can make it back one weekend, please come back next Sunday. Because after church, we're going to celebrate with them. We're going to have a big lunch. We're going to hang out. We're going to be able to tell stories. And you can tell John how he's impacted your life. Or he can tell you that. Or maybe it's just time to be like, I don't like you. But I just want to let you know. Um, now that you're leaving, it's a lot easier. Whatever it is. But here's the deal. Can we be a church that loves God and loves people and will go to the extent and make it cost us? And even if it's uncomfortable and even if it's hard and all of these things. Let's just be a church who loves God and loves people. We have a way to do that next weekend. So please make every single effort that you can to be back here next weekend as we celebrate and send out the DiGiovanni family. All right? And so, John, you have the stage, and then you'll lead us in a song. Hey, thank you, everyone. I uh, just want to first off start by saying that it has been an incredible and amazing honor to be part of Bedrock, to see what God has done in this church, in our community. And like Pastor Blake said, it's uh, it, 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 transition can be tough. You know, change is nice. You know, going to New England and being able to go hiking and all those things that we want to do together as a family is nice. That idea is great. It's just the, the in-between that has been a bit of a struggle for our, our family. Um, so just want to say thank you guys for, 
for being our church family. Thank you, Pastor Blake, for taking me in when my family and I were in a tough place. Uh, tough transitions had happened, and you believed in us. You brought us in, and you made us part of your family and this church family. So we love each and every one of you in, in so many ways more than you'll probably ever even imagine or realize. Um, many of you we've sat sat at our dining room with, we've gone to lunches with, we've gone to coffees, dinners, you know, all that. Um, so thank you for allowing me to be able to pour into your lives and to be part of that. And if I can just ask two things. One, be praying for us during, during our transition because transitions are hard. Like I said, though we are excited, though we're happy, though we're following what God, we feel like God wants us to do and is asking us to do, they are a, a, a challenge and a struggle. And two, step up and be part of what God is doing here at Bedrock. There's so many areas to get connected, so many things that are going on, so many ministries that haven't even started yet because we're just waiting for, 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 for you to come and partner with us in volunteering and being part of, of the church. And um, yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's basically it. But if you hear nothing else from me, just hear, hear this. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing our family to be part of Bedrock. I think we came on three or four months after the church started. And so we basically helped plant the church in a sense. And it's been awesome seeing, you know, three or four different places that we've met. And God growing us through COVID. The church actually grew through COVID. And just seeing Pastor Blake navigate that, that interesting time that all of us, you know, to some degree suffered through. But God's placed us in this building. Bedrock will continue to grow. The church of God will grow. The church of God will expand. And the enemy can't do anything about it. He cannot cease the growth of his, of God's church. So if we can do something, can you stand with me?